The podcast which you are about to hear is politically incorrect and offensive. The opinions expressed by the three assholes recording it are done so solely for comedy purposes. Listener discretion is advised. This is the Whiskey Reel. Four and three and two and one. No reason, no conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of good or evil. If what you say is true, the Shaolin and the Wu-Tang could be dangerous. Your mother sucks big fucking elephant dicks. Got that? Come on now, dog. You know I give you the mad, fat, super fly, stupid, dope, dumbass, retarded, bomb shit props. Take a big step back and literally fuck your own face! <laughs> Chris Gaines. That was, that was Garth Brooks. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh my god, dude! Yeah, That's Chris good, Gaines. dude. <laughs> With the Shit bangs, was amazing, bro. Amazing, dude. With the bangs, homie. Who the Boy, fuck? that guy's creepy as fuck. By the way, if you ever like look at anything he's done in the last two years, he is a psychopath. Garth Brooks. He is a cult leader. He is one of the weirdest. What? Like Segura, uh, Segura, and Christina P on their on yeah. their podcast, they they refer to him constantly, and they're in a huge war. Cause they just spam hit their their fucking fans spam him so hard. <laughs> no fucking Cause way. Cause he's looks psychotic. Like yeah. he's he's just really an odd fellow. But he's trying to be all homey and like down in on the I'm on the ranch. And... I think I'm related. <laughs> to <laughs> Garth Brooks. You're related to Chris Gaines, dude. <laughs> so you're related. Pretty to sure him. we're fam. You're fammies. <laughs> we're fammies. Oh, yeah, yeah. For that's sure. Kind of um. I don't know if you've heard anything this week from the NFL. Not a thing. There's a few stories going around. Um, Is it that whole kneeling thing? No, it's not even that. Uh, uh, Mr. John with no H, Gruden, fucking resigned his yes, position. He yes, he did. Um, turns out that he is a homophobic phobic racist transphobic giant piece of shit he's a football coach exactly <laughs> yes. oh my and how do you feel about that sir i mean you... we we love football coaches yep. yep i mean they're a breed we're a fan of that sport sure but we've found out of the dark <laughs> hidden weird underground communication that goes on betwixt uh, NFL executives, Ugh. and I have thoughts on it. I'd love to hear them because I, my first and foremost, outside of the complete um, disgustingness of of what was released, because um, it was it was horrible. Um, even uh, to this day, why people write things down and press send to this day, I don't understand. But I, you know, what who I felt really bad for? Yes, please, the, the players. The, I don't like. I'm not a Raiders fan, but in my head, my first thought was: Imagine being a player. You're finally put together a good team. You're very competitive. The Raiders are no joke this year. They're they're a good football team. You're finally there. Everybody's healthy, and then this happens. And then it just happens. It, that that was my first thought, which is yeah. So I listened to Chris Sims, mm -hmm. who was drafted by John Gruden mm. in Tampa Bay. Wow, that's right. Okay. And he has some pretty specific thoughts about <laughs> what's going on. Now, now he's very deferential to John Gruden. He thinks he's a good man, blah blah blah. Okay. Like I've never seen this 
side of him. And blah, blah, blah. But then, like, Keyshawn Johnson, who also played for John Gruden, comes out and he's like, yeah, this fool was a con artist Oof. and was always full of shit. Never. Whoa. Never did he show him true self to the media or blah, blah, blah. And I am not shocked. Now I'm paraphrasing. Okay. I'm not quoting no, Keyshawn no, no. Johnson, no, no, but no. I'm paraphrasing. That's his position is just that this guy was a con artist and has always been a card artist. Mm, interesting. But also, this was a a mafia hit when it comes to taking down somebody. Um, if anyone in doesn't really know the background of how this came about. There was an investigation into sort of a me, uh, me Too kind of thing that was going on with the Washington football team. And they pulled down 650 plus thousand emails Oof. trying to investigate what was going on in the culture of this football team okay. headed by Dan, uh, Daniel Snyder. Yeah. And. Nothing came out of that investigation except that John Gruden <laughs> said the word faggot, and I will say it because that's what he said. Yeah. John Gruden said the word faggot about Michael Sam, mm. who was the first openly gay player to ever enter into the NFL draft. Right. He got drafted by the L.A. Rams, St. Louis Rams. At the time. At yeah. the time. Um, who was being coached by Jeff Fisher, and they drafted Michael Sam. He never played a game right, as a National Football League player. Um, then John Gruden comes back after winning a Super Bowl 100 years ago for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and in the meantime, he's been like a post-500 kind of mediocre coach. Yeah. Um, which, whatever. I, I, I think the man is a good football coach. I don't have any doubts about that. Um, he then has Carl Nassib, who uh, played for the Penn State Nittany Lions, got drafted by the Raiders, right. became the first openly gay player to actually be on a roster right. and make it to a roster, play NFL games. So I guess my question would be, one, um, how do you think those players feel how do you think a guy like Carl Nassib feels mm. knowing that your coach probably doesn't like you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a real thing. Like, I like chances are he doesn't like who you are as a human. Right. You know what I mean? Of course. I don't know. That, that you can approach it like the layman and say, um, I'm just talking strictly about uh, Nassib's like view on it. I believe he came out and said any any use of language like that is is unacceptable. Yeah. He basically kind of like he didn't say anything more than that, and I think we would all agree. He famously um, <clears throat> took a personal day. He was like, you know what? I need a fucking day off, right? To right. go process. Sure. I you would the the I think you would get um, part. Partly, I think the reaction would be like, "Stop crying! You're an, you're a really well paid athlete, and my boss <laughs> yeah. doesn't like me either." Um, you get some detractors like of that, course. and that's going to be kind of that super Chad, um, ultra white sort of like pull up your bootstraps, quit crying. Who cares if your boss doesn't like you? On the other hand, obviously, those with any sort of soul and empathy would 
understand that that would be, especially when you've been kind of, it, it, there's a dis, there's a disloyalty and a disingenuousness that um, would hurt. When you work closely with somebody and you find out that they don't like you after pretending that they do, it's really a betrayal. And it feels horrible. And I couldn't imagine how that guy feels. Um, on, a, on, the, on the other hand, what the- he... 80% of his team that's African-American. African, yeah, they, all the black guys on your team, when you compare the, the the head of the NFLPA players associations and say their lips were like Michelin tires. I mean, the stuff, and that was the thing. Rex told me about, Rex originally told me about this. Um, and then I said, my first question was, trying to remain, you know, completely impartial and to like get facts was, well, what exactly did he say? Did he say something where it could have mis be misconstrued as something else? She goes, then she read me the line about the lips and I went, oh, <laughs> so there's zero misconstruing anything going on right now. And we talked about it. Like he was probably brought into the office. He said, we're going to let you resign in grace or we're going to drag this out and we're going to fire you. He did the right thing, which is resign, apologize. He'll disappear for five years and then end up back on fucking Fox sure. doing color on games. I mean, let's be honest. That's that's kind of okay. what happens. So devil's advocate time. Okay. There's no excuse for the things that that man said and felt and the things that were clearly in his heart. But how do you have an an investigation that goes so deep that you get 650,000 emails and the only person that gets implicated in anything is John Gruden and he Uh, loses his job. Right. Right. So Uh, that's a great question. Is there an enormous abuse of power going on? By having all of that content, I mean, who they they could fuck anybody, for sure. I and this goes back, <clears throat> which I hate is like quote unquote cancel culture because it's so not that. There are certain things that twenty years ago, if it was said in the context of a conversation, would sound horrible to us now. What would be de rigueur for that date and time? The problem is what he said didn't matter what time it is in our history would always be construed as bad. It wasn't like a, I, uh, we used to call them Indians instead of Native Americans. And, and 50 years ago, that's how they were referred to. And now we say this. It, it wasn't like there was a universal change in our um, uh, our outlook on how we should approach different people of, of color, different ethnicities and races and creeds and religions. Now we're obviously a little bit more enlightened when it comes to that. This was flat out, whether it was the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, to call to compare somebody's lips to car tires were never okay. So I think there there was not a way to say this is merely uh, um, you're digging up old stuff on this guy and he's getting blasted type of thing. Yeah. I, 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 in my opinion, one hundred percent. Like, like, there's no excuse for what he said yeah. and the context in which he said it. For sure, there should be repercussions for being that big of a backwoods asshole. For sure, like, no doubt about but you're, it. But you're right. He was sending those emails to somebody. I'm sure out of six hundred fifty thousand emails, some of them went to Mark Allen, right? That's the owner of the Raiders. Right? Uh, no, the owner of the raid is uh, Mark Davis. Davis, rather. I said Mark Allen. So but the way it went down is like he was 
emailing with George Allen, who I think was like the general manager GM at the time or something of the, I don't know. Of the WTF or WFT, yeah. whatever. The football team. Yeah, the football team. And obviously you're sending that kind of shit to someone that you feel like is like-minded. Exactly. It's not going to fucking like right. raise a red flag, blah, blah, blah. So th- those conversations happen between those two guys probably on the reg. Like, like they, sure. he understood that Bruce was going to be cool with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, that's the, that's the point is I don't know who else is involved in the correspondence. Um, the big thing that I'd say, <clears throat> even if it was a GM or an, even an owner, I don't know if anybody remembers in the NBA, the owner of the Clippers, Donald Sterling, was basically outed as being an incredible racist. And uh, they demanded he sell his team. Yeah. Um, I mean, it got that far. So I don't I don't. The Raiders are kind of one of the premier teams in football. They're one of the oldest teams in football. I don't know if there was something said between the owner of the Raiders and him yeah. or even if they would take any sort of legal repercussions or ask him to step down or whatever. But, yeah, it's clear that they made they, – John and, and rightfully so. He should have been fired regardless. But is this going to quell the ongoing investigation? Are there going to be know, more names? You know, it's funny because the – Investigation actually resulted in basically nothing. Daniel Snyder was kind of weirdly exonerated okay. for the culture of the Washington football team, even though they were like posting pictures of their cheerleaders, like you know. I oh mean, yeah, there was, it was a weird. lot. There was a lot of weird. Snyder is a dirtbag. Yeah, let's be he's honest. a dirtbag. He's a dirt. He's a well-known dirtbag. He definitely has sway. Amen. You know, and I, I mean, we're talking about the National Football League. Roger Goodell works at the favor of the owners. Of course. That's who pays they hire him. his salary. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they were protecting Daniel Snyder in this investigation, which I would guess there's incriminating shit in those email threats. You would think. Right? Yeah, like after he says something like that was the next response. My word, sir. My, good I've Lord. I've never heard such language. Or was it like... My ha, stars. Hi, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you know, was yeah. it LMFAO? You yeah. know, like we don't know what the response was. but so, I don't know, man. It's a weird situation. I think ultimately the fans and the players of that team are hurt worse than anybody else. Um, I think John Gruden is should be on an island with his family right now with his phone off. I would if he's so. smart. Um, I, I don't know if there's any comeback after this. I'm not going to say any, that John Gruden is a bad human being, but I will say the things that he said were horrible. Were horrible. Yeah, they were abhorrent. Deplorable. They were abhorrent. Um, they were disgusting. Um, Unbelievable. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and I guess before we introduce ourselves and talk whiskey, I mean, why aren't those emails public domain? Like we, the media, the the fans – the, I mean, why would we not have access to that information? I mean, they can't just pick and choose the handful of emails sure. to get rid of a, I mean, essentially a political opponent in John Gruden who's been very negative about the league. Yeah. Doesn't, like, it makes a lot of sense why they would go after him. I mean, he was just busting chops about the taunting rule and he was just busting chops about that the new San Diego stadium. Right. And he was, you know what I mean? Like it makes sense that they would go after him, 
But fuck that, man. Like, you don't get to just, like, you're not the Sopranos. You don't get to fucking pick and choose who you take down. The only, the only response I would it's have to that. too much power. I get it. I understand. The only response I would have to that is, typically in an investigation, you don't release evidence until you're done with it, which leads me to believe there's more to come. It's done. The investigation is done. No, I'm saying as far as I, other people's investigations. I understand exactly Otherwise, what you're saying. Otherwise, we would have access to those emails outside no. of the, the blurbs. There's an asshole that has access to this information and he is willfully and pointedly releasing it to the media, to the Wall Street Journal, to the New York Times. He's pointedly releasing that information to target individuals. Well, you know who has all the so info. So who's next? You know who has all the info. Who's next? Animus Marketing. Um, <laughs> welcome back <laughs> to the whiskiest of reels. And the riskiest of wheels. This is the whiskey reel. You know how we do. Um, we had to get our football on a little bit. Um, I'm on a bye week. This is a big story. It's a huge story. And it's been a huge story. It's funny. With the turnover of headline clickbait, yeah. nothing's a huge story for more than a week. So, um, but, it, but it was interesting. Uh, there's a lot of nuance to this that um, when you look deeper is, is much more than one racist piece of shit. It goes a little bit deeper. But... Um, Thank you for listening to that. Thank you for coming back. We missed you. We always miss you guys. And I think you I should s- introduce yourself. Oh, you want me to introduce myself? Yeah. Um, I've been known as the opposite of Dorian Gray. <laughs> I have been known as the universal general manager and the general manager of the universe. I have been known as somebody who works for one company that will be working for another company very soon. Very soon. Um, I have been known as... Um, your friend, your brother in arms, and your drunkle Aaron. That's a that. Those are all real things. I am uh, Aaron Sanchez Brandes Esquire from the Rhone Brandeses. Thank you very much, DJ. Philibus. I've been known as Mister Bivens. If you're nasty. If you're nasty. I've been known as Hiv Tyler. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Famous. <laughs> <laughs> but I am mostly known as Sir Bobbeth Van Noyes of the Van Noyes out of fucking Tallahassee. <laughs> of all places. <laughs> <laughs> are they- <laughs> I have cousins in Sarasota. When are they going to give Tallahassee a pro team? You know? You know Just long over All they got is the, you know. The FSU, the Tomahawk thing. Them Knowles, dude. That's all I got, the Knowles. Boy, we keep coming back to it's gross. partially racist things. Yeah, um, God. I know, Why I is explain- football so problematic? I, I, it's so problematic. <laughs> I was explaining to a friend of ours that's a fan of the Chiefs how although the word Chiefs is not derogatory in any way, shape, or form, 40,000 white people doing tomahawk, tomahawk chops, chops and chanting in a stadium is. Um, it's a dichotomy. Uh, welcome back. I missed you. Bobby missed you. I hope you missed us. We were back in action. We are in the bunkie, feeling good. We are recording, oddly enough, on a Friday. So there you go. So if something happens in the next 72 hours, don't blame us. We, we're going with what we got right now. So if you find more emails or something happens, it's not our fault, okay? Um, uh, it's a very exciting time. My, my daughter just turned 12. I will be turning the ripe old age of 49 in just three days. Gross. It's very, so gross. Um, very exciting. So close to death, which is extremely exciting. How, um, <laughs> how, much are your, how much are your balls descending? They're not that bad. 
Yeah. Yeah. They're holding steady. Yeah, they're holding Me steady, too. brother. They're kind of maintaining their, I know. you know what I mean? Their sight line. I do <laughs> not have like Nick Nolte balls. No, like, no, no, no. I my mean, balls are look, perfectly fa- acceptable. <laughs> Father time's a bitch. It will get you eventually. <laughs> it, will get, it will get you. I just figured my hair turned gray and, you know, uh, life life said that's enough for now and we'll talk to you in a Father few time years. always wins. Always wins, my dude. Um, yeah. We are drinking something. Talk about it. Goddamn lovely, bro. Uh, I went into our friends over there at (sighs) Wagon Wheel and (laughs) talked to Mr. Chucky McChuckovich, Stratochuckovich, and he's a lovely man. Uh, He always looks looks post or pre-hangover. I love Chuck so much. He's a great guy. So we were laughing. I was looking uh, through the whiskey section. Obviously, after doing 150 plus episodes, we've tried a lot of different stuff. So sometimes I'm kind of looking around, looked at some gin, didn't really want to sip tequila today. So I avoided that section and then looked at the bourbons. And I went, you know, should we do this one? Should we do that? It's been a long time. Nobody remembers. And then I bumped into this guy. Bobby brought to my attention it is my third Irish whiskey in a row. I don't know what in is a happening. Row. I don't know what's happening. Um, <laughs> although I will say it's ultra premium Irish whiskey. Ultra. So there you go. Premium. This is a, a little whiskey made by a famous top fifty in the world bar of the same name called New York the City. Dead Rabbit. Yeah. Um, famously, a gang in New York. If you guys have seen gangs in New York, they were called the Dead Rabbits. That- they were an actual gang. And there's a famous bar that's like number 20, 22 in the world called The Dead Rabbit that's in New York. Um, They collaborated with another stupid Mick to make some good Irish whiskey. Um, This is a a blended Irish whiskey, um, a lot of malt, a lot of grain. Um, So typically with Irish whiskey, they do it a specific. We've talked about this ad nauseum, especially over the last couple weeks. Irish whiskey has an Irish whiskey taste. You can't really define it, but you know it's Irish. They did this different. What they did with this is they started it off American and ended it off in Ireland. They, they distilled this and then held it in old bourbon casks. After that, they then transferred it to virgin or new barriques. Barriques are just smaller uh, oak barrels. The reason you do that is because the smaller the barrel, the more surface contact the liquid has. So it imparts flavors faster. So what they were going for, and which I would say they accomplished, was it starts off bourbony. It has those caramels and the bourbon and the um, vanillins and yeah, yeah. all those uh, nutmeg and all those spices. But then it ends with that little ice pick in the back of your neck of Irish whiskey, which is that super lifty citrus, um, just bright blast out of the back. And I think they really, if that's what they were going for, they fucking nailed it. And it's 88 fucking proof. And uh, yeah, there's a reason they call this ultra premium. They, okay. So I have oft described Irish whiskeys as being a little wispy or thin or bodiless. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and those aren't, I mean, doesn't make them bad whiskeys. This is not that. No. This has a full bodied approach. I mean, this thing comes at you like bourbon. Yeah. Like and, American bourbon. Atten- and, and it was intended to do so, yeah. which I really appreciate. But it does have that Irish thing that right. we've never been able to like, put our finger on yeah what how to describe that yeah particularly. That, the, the last half of your palate yeah but turns it, it Irish. Does. it's just 
This might be my favorite Irish whiskey of all time. Wow, you heard it here first. And and by the way, if and you, I love Teeling, and I love Teeling's great. You know, Tullamore Dew is wonderful, and there's a lot of Irish whiskeys I really enjoy. But this is different. It's it's a different product. I, I don't know if there's a more refined Irish whiskey than this. Um, better, I think, is subjective. I don't know if there's more love put into a bottle of Irish whiskey than it's put into this. This is well thought out, well executed, well intended. I think they were div- – and mind you, obviously, they use this as a base in a lot of the cocktails at the bar. Why wouldn't you? It's your goddamn whiskey. I could see from a mixing standpoint, we're sipping this neat – and have no problem doing so. None. But man, this would be fun to play with in a drink, only yeah. because it lends itself to both sides of the Atlantic. You know, it's really cool. In all my years, I've still never decided how to make a cocktail with Irish whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> just a mule and just let it yeah, go. Yeah. Um, um, but no, it would be fun though. Those kind of uh, citrus and uh, savory notes on the end yeah. mixed with the bourbony barreled flavor in the beginning would lend itself to, you could play with this. It has a little bit of a higher proof than a typical distillate um, at 88. So it's got a little bit more spine to it. Uh, but yeah, I, I paid 43 bucks for this. It's worth every damn penny. I'm telling you at 43 bucks, when you buy an American bourbon, you can get some really good bourbon at 43 bucks. But in relation to how good this is from an Irish standpoint, I don't know if there's a comparable product. It's killer bourbon. It's, it's fucking fantastic. Definitely. Buy for me. I mean, oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I don't even know who distributes this. You don't really see this in a lot I don't of- know who distributes it, but we could talk for a, just a second, give out some props to uh, their distillers, uh, Daryl McNally. Mick. In collaboration with Jack McGarry. Mick. Yeah. I mean, yeah, these, there's two these guys are the Irish. rabbit. And- oh, and Sean Muldoon. Oh, Muldoon, you say. <laughs> Mick. Jesus um, just Christ. a bunch of dirty um, potato eaters. Dude. And again, this is associated with a bar that's been called the, you know, one of the top 50 bars on planet Earth oh, multiple times. And always, they have a book. They yeah. have a, I mean. It's always in the top five of American bars. Yeah. Always, always, always. Um, but, uh, and I would love to get there one day just to see what all the hubbub's about. And I'm sure I would cry as I was sipping some magical elixir. Oh, um, right? I would, I would tear. Um, so I'm such a baby. They but, uh, famously did the, what, what was called the world's greatest Manhattan. Right. Which was the Rittenhouse, Carpano Antica, um, you know, Manhattan. Right. I, and I mean, it's, it's fucking amazing. That's what it I, is. I, like, it's, I think it's the best combination of whiskey and vermouth on planet Earth. Have you had and the the, the piggy- Dead Rabbit guys? Actually, I I think it's either them or Dead and Co. But it was like Death and Co. Man, um, they're, they're, they always they fucking crushed it. Yeah. I mean. I mean, this is one of those places where you like, uh, you're, you're an under guy for fucking 40 years before you even get to touch a fucking, um, lead position. Oh my Uh, God. You're cutting lemons and limes and pulling basil for two years, dude. You can be Um, a 20 year bartender (laughs) and walk into dead and co or fucking dead rabbit and dead rabbit. And you're, you're a barbacket. You're a bar. You're stocking. That's all you're doing. Yeah. Get me more ice. Yeah. Bitch. Some um, pimp that's, that's is just fucking telling you what to do. <laughs> Some absolute <laughs> And I guaranteed he may have a tattoo. Some savage that has a 
may Turn have a Bronca neck tattoo on his neck. <laughs> he may have a neck tattoo. That's all I'm saying. Um, uh, yeah, so so pick it up at 43 bucks. Hopefully, you guys can find it where you are. It's lovely. It's a sipper. I don't want to mix it, but I would if I had to. Um, yeah, fuck, man. So, so much shit has been fucking going down as it usually does. Um, our favorite president, number, I like to call him 45, like the caliber. Um, old Trump uh, is uh, demanding that no Republican vote in 2022 or 2024. So that's awesome, right? Win for us. Um, I mean, I don't even know what he's trying to accomplish. <laughs> he's trying, which to, alludes I, to his entire presidency. His entire but like, I, I mean, <laughs> it, it would appear to be self-serving, sir. Yeah. Which he is always willing to do. He's like, I'm coming back. By the way, you're fucking seventy-four years old, and you're not in great health, dude. I love how everybody talks shit on Biden about how old he is. And Trump is literally like four years younger. Trump is older. <laughs> and he's fucking fat. And oh, he's, he's gross. Disgusting. He's and, disgusting. Yeah, he's a, he's a wad of gum in a suit, dude. He's I know. absolutely disgusting. But I, I encourage the Republicans listening, because so many do listen to our program. Tons. Um, tons. Um, don't vote. It's it, it. You know what? It's a fraud. Your votes don't count anyway. So why waste your time? Well... And beyond that, none of you are vaccinated, so we're rapidly like a thousand Republicans a day are dying, <laughs> are eating shit, are d- just going dirt nap. Um, you know, it's funny. It's like we. It's it's a well known fact. The country, when polled, um, has been for a very long time majority Democrat. The old argument is, yeah, I know, but we don't get out and vote. That's been the rub back and forth. It's been a 25-year-old argument about why do Republicans win if there's more Democrats, and that's the reason why. They're able to galvanize their base more. Um, And so that's, I mean, without getting into specifics, that's literally the reason why. So we've spent the last 25, 30 years trying to figure out how to galvanize the left. We don't do a good job with it. We have more left infighting than we do. Well, I'll say this. I think it's a little more nuanced than just, there's a majority Democratic voting base out there. I mean, there is. Te- like, technically, there's literally more people that will. But more importantly, left ideas, whether it comes to health care or um, trades, unions, blah, blah, blah. There's more support for those platforms, those planks. 100%. You know what I mean? Like, like when you Look at poll, legalized marijuana. It's 75%. insane. You look at universal health care, 70%. I know. Like So, like, but not everyone equates that to the Democratic Party. Right. And now no, we have a president that fucking hates the idea of legalized marijuana. And he's not going to enact fucking socialized health care. And he's not, you know what I no, mean? Doesn't so, what I'm saying is there's a disconnect between what people want yes. and what we're offered. Absolutely. Understood. And I agree. But these are very progressive um, these are very progressive issues. So when you hear things like the 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 people want X, Y, and Z and it's at a seventy percent consistent polling, your next question would be like, well then why doesn't it get passed? Like it's most of us want it. But that's 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 literally the beginning of the discussion of how our system has broken down over the last 50 years. I think that 
gets into the concept of districting and gerrymandering. It, it, and, very much so. You know, very much I mean, so. I think there's I think there's left operatives like Mansion and Cinema that do nothing but gum up the works for the left. I think I think there's I think you have infighting among the left where you don't have infighting among the right. Um, I call it the Crips and Bloods. That re- nobody realizes in L.A. Crips outnumber Bloods like seven to three. Like out of 10, why don't the bloods disappear? There's so many Crips. It's because Crips fight each other in the blood stuff. They bring it. That's what's up. Um, Go Big B. Yeah, I mean. Go Big B. Uh, (laughs) If we're being honest, like most liberals, to use the P word, are pussies. Oh, okay. And they don't stand up for what the fuck. The, the people that represent uh, – they represent their the people. Their constituencies, yeah. Their constituencies have, have no fucking idea how scared. It's f- it's They're frightened. They get into office. They become corporate shills like so many of the Democrats are. Don't get it twisted. We go left because it kind of makes more sense from a progressive value standpoint. We understand completely the people that we're putting in office are absolute war hawks and complete pieces of shit. Don't get it. it we, we, but and I'm not even yeah. going to go over the, the 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 whole lesser of two. I hate that fucking argument. But the one thing it does bring up is I heard something posited uh, that was very interesting. Okay, everybody who listens to the program, and hopefully all of you that don't and are at the moment believe in the proposition of vaccines. We're very. We can listen last six months of this show and understand exactly who we are by virtue of this. We are vaccinated. We want the people we love to be vaccinated so they're safe. Um, I'm taking my daughter next week to go get it because she finally turned 12. Very excited about that. Um, Regardless, uh, irregardless isn't a word. I I saw Bobby's eye twitch when I said it. I know he almost lost it on me. (laughs) But I corrected. (laughs) I corrected. I was sliding. I started fishtailing and I corrected. Um, But, but, the thing that I heard a very interesting thing said. So what makes it a harder conversation is vaccine mandates. And we talked about this a little bit about personal freedom, about why. Now, granted, there's been vaccine mandates this whole time. Nobody wants to talk. I can't take my daughter to a public school without a vaccine. Nobody seemed to care about that. Nobody was up in arms. This is obviously a new thing that we're, we're in a new frontier. Um, this was an interesting thing that was posited and it's merely theoretical discussion. I don't want to get anybody, you know, fucking dander fucking up. It was an interesting question. Historically, the black community is less likely to get vaccinated because of distrust of the health, uh, the health system and government in general. I don't want to even talk like Tuskegee. This is like an ingrained thing within the black community. Um, I think upwards of 40% I've heard bandied about. I cannot substantiate that. I'm just merely saying there is a huge percentile of the black community that either do not want to, don't trust getting it. Um, shit. There's even famous everywhere from Kyrie Irving to rappers to different guys that are iconic figures in the black community that aren't getting vaccinated and are proud to not. So the reason I say this is this. I heard it posited. Now, if they did a vaccine mandate, would that be considered systemic racism? Knowing that the black community is from a percentile standpoint, not getting vaccinated, if you then mandated vaccination, could that be considered racist? And if so, are you then saying that there is some systemic racism that's good? I'm, I'm going to... This is... A, this is I'm going to... 
Take a sip of your whiskey. I'm gonna this take is, a drink of my whiskey. I, before somebody, I, try I heard this posited. I'm, I'm when I love rhetoric. I love rhetoricians. I love people who can argue well. well. You brought. So I heard this posited. I don't agree. I'm, I'm not bringing one side or the other. I just think it's a very interesting argument. It is very interesting because we have two distinct populations that are, uh, well, we would call anti-vaxxers. We have hillbillies <laughs> that that are leftover Donald Trump lovers. Right. And we have the African-American community. And native. And and Hispanic. 100%. 100%. There's a huge distrust there, rightfully I so. I think it's bigger in the black community because, like you mentioned, Tuskegee and all these different things that have damaged the trust, which, dude, obviously, I get we it. understand. Um, right now, the poster child for this behavior is Kyrie Irving. I right. mean, he has been held up as the... You know, I'm, the, you know, he's a po kind of the poster child for he's that. the poster a child for anti vaxxing which I don't even know if that's true. I mean, like I tried to listen to that video he posited like two days ago. Right. And I've, I've listened to it like five times and I still have no idea what the fuck he is talking about. But that being said, we know that he's kind of an idiot. He's flat earthy. He's a flat earther. Yeah. Um, and I think what happened with him is he got caught flat-footed. Um, he often does on defense. He was, yeah. Wow, good dig. This is the first shot that he's never <laughs> taken. Hey, <laughs> I was waiting. No, I know. Set up. Um, no, but he um, he was offered some sort of <laughs> quote unquote immunity from taking the vaccine, and then that didn't happen because of the state mandates that came right. out so he was he was told oh no you, you you don't have to get fucking vaccinated you're gonna play you're fine we'll fucking right. figure it out you get tested blah 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 and then the mandates from new york state came away uh, what's what's that mayor's name is about to get out de blasio yeah de blasio um and, and i think he 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 got caught a little flat-footed and just didn't really know maybe how to react to that coming out. And so, I mean, for anyone that doesn't know what's going on with him, he's not going to be able to play home games in that state. Crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, not, he literally can't play home games. I'm not saying it's crazy that he can't, and I'm not saying crazy that he should or anything. I'm just saying the situation we find ourselves in the divisiveness that this has taken yeah. there. I, I mean, there may never be anything like this again. We see in our lifetime, hopefully that yeah. is this divisive, but the, 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 that's why I go back to just circle back on what I was saying. The interesting part of this is if you know that a huge demographic of your community or society is against something, then you mandate it. Does it, would you feel and again, we're all. This is all a supposing. Um, it it's an interesting argument to look at this as like, is this racism to mandate if you know that big of part of the community is anti? Like, it, look, we're giving religious we're giving religious exemptions. Not many, thank God. We're giving medical exemptions. Not many, thank God. Would they consider racial exemptions? Because of the distrust that has been generated, it's, that's been, I'm yeah. I'm 
this is all rhetoric. This is not this is not supposed to solve anything. I just thought from the standpoint of the community, that must be an interesting thing if you have that many of the people that you're around that believe in that and you're being told to get vaccinated if if and when that does indeed happen because it hasn't happened outside of the private sector. So it's funny, you, when we were discussing this podcast precast, you were like, well, I have a question I want to propose <laughs> yeah, to you. Yeah, you fucker. And <laughs> I'm okay with that question. I will tell you this. Um, one, I think from my own personal standpoint that governments, whether they be municipalities or states or federal, should not be imposing mandates. But they already do. Because, I know. I don't, I don't agree with it. Now, if the New Jersey Nets, who is a private corporation – wants to say, no, you're not fucking playing for us unless you get man, you know, your, your mandated vaccine, then yeah, I'm 100% okay you're with so that. You're so libertarian. I, I, I just, dude, <laughs> yeah. why do we don't need any government at any level? Yeah, let's tighten up my mic. Tighten up your little, uh, tighten up shit's, your nut, My brother. shit's going flaccid. Tighten up your nut. <laughs> um, no, I just don't think we need like, municipalities or fucking state governments or anyone right. mandating vaccines because that i mean you're you're descending into some very touchy territory but well and i and we talked about I, number one we do mandate vaccines we already do it number two we have done mandates of vaccines of course dating back to george washington yes like this is not a new thing for our country smallpox it, but 100%. Became mandated. There's an argument to say that his army would have been uh, fucking overrun if he didn't do that. Of there, course. Um, and we've also did it with the Spanish flu as well. It's not but an argument. It's not an argument. It happened. But, and I and I get it. And I get I get the reservation of it. But you, you understand my reticence. I do. I do. To government. I do. Organizations fucking like mandating that people get vaccinated. So if they can't. But if I'm a private corporation, then you like, do whatever you want. I own a business. I understand. If I wanted to go hire three people this week, and who you, the fuck do you think I'm going to hire? Do you think I'm going to hire the unvaccinated, well, you know, fucking Trumpster, or am I? I'm going to hire the fucking person that's well, vaccinated and it's going to show up to work. That guy couldn't fill out the application, so you're safe there. That's true, right? Um, Not my, that I have my one. Th <laughs> <laughs> my my thing is this: I think this is one of the most bipartisan things we can agree on. Private businesses should be able to conduct themselves as they see fit. I mean, I don't think any outside of outright discrimination. Well, well and, no, because there's laws against that. Yeah, yeah. You can't yeah, 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 pay yeah. somebody less than minimum you know I mean. wage. You can't overwork somebody and not pay them overtime. You can't discriminate based on gender, religion, uh, creed, color. You can't do that. There are laws against it. But what we haven't been given the opportunity is to not hire somebody based on uh, whether or not they're vaccinated for this particular. So and, here's a question. Yeah. Could you, in our lifetimes, see... Because this is not going to be the first. No, we're going to see more of this. We're going to see more. And know why? Because it's going to mutate, and there'll be variants that we're going to be looking well, at forever. and we're going to get another thing. It's going to be just but like I'm just, ass flu out of I'm, South America or whatever fucking Dude, have you up. ever had Chilean ass flu? A Chilean ass flu is going to bring up a very interesting <laughs> point. <laughs> Do we eventually have a constitutional amendment that gives the government the right to mandate 
for public health these kind of situations. We already have. It's not constitutional. Well, we don't it's have a constitutional. Constitution. We have state constitution. It's state, yeah. but federally, no. If there's Cities a, can do it. If there, states can do it. Absolutely. I'm Count, a federalist. County, I, I, counties can do it. Yeah. But what I'm saying is we already do it. We've already, oh, we've already looked at the public health and said we need smallpox, measles, even chickenpox, mumps. Yeah. We've already made the decision as a country, as a, as a people, to say we really need to make sure this doesn't happen again because it's bad. Yeah, yeah. The problem is it seems like there's so much distrust that um, for whatever reason, whether – and I think a lot of it has to do not only with the fact that there's – utter morons that have huge platforms that are grifters on the right that are talking about this as if they're not vaccinated, which they all are. Don't get it twisted. Tucker Carlson, Sean, they're all vaccinated. They're all vaccinated. They're telling you not to get vaccinated because it makes them money. But, but aside from that, I think we've, we've, already made those decisions for ourselves as a society, as a community, as a civilization. Um, the problem is uh, when you're, I, I think the, the biggest problem of it, which is ironic, which is the same people that won't take the vaccine, their president was the guy that put this on a fast track. The, re the fact that he invested that money in the beginning to this is the reason we have it so quickly. Yeah. So then to turn around and say, he started it, Biden finished it, we don't trust it because it, it's – uh, it, it's like somebody. It's like somebody making a sandwich in a kitchen. That guy m starts making the sandwich, hands it to somebody else. That guy that's that took the sandwich, sprinkles some fucking cilantro, a little bit of sea salt, hands it to you, and he said, "I don't like the sandwich." Yeah. Because fucking you put your garnish on it, but that dude actually made it. Is ludicrous to me, and I think the scary part of this is mRNA. I think the fact that people don't understand how the science works and why we were able to develop this so quickly, it had been done for 10 years prior. This was our first opportunity yeah. as a globe to bring this it's new technology to life. Like, just add virus here. Right. Yeah, and we can approach... The, ba the base is created. We're going to be able to do this when the next pandemic happens, which it will, because it's inevitable, because we're being adults... Gwyneth we'll Paltrow, have, she knows. She knows, obviously. She knows. And Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne was the head of the CDC. God, um, right? You didn't know that. Great um, fucking movie. Thank you. Uh, Contagion was awesome, actually. <laughs> Contagion uh, was amazing. It was a fucking, and it's scary as shit to watch. Horrifying. Uh, did I tell you, speaking of Contagion. Don't watch that. Don't ever watch during that during the, the pandemic. <laughs> Remember when everybody was saying, don't watch it. But there's so many things that they said about social distancing and hand washing and masks. It was eerily Balls prognostic. It, it, Balls it, it was eerie, dude, in the prognostication. So I have a, I got to you know, take us on a tangent. Um, the head that was Gwyneth Paltrow's head when she was dying of the <laughs> yeah. contagion was supposed to be the head that was in the fucking box in seven. I, you know, I think somebody, I think I heard that at one point. Somebody that in a studio amazing. had a fucking Gwyneth Paltrow head. That they just had. <laughs> they just had it, and they fucking used it for that scene. It, it was odd, because the contagion head was less grifty and younger. I got it was weird. Um, now she's selling like ox sperm soap or whatever the fuck they sell in her. I have a candle that smells like her smells pussy. Like my pussy. <laughs> um, and, and you know what? It does. No, I jerk uh, off with it. <laughs> I, I, bur I burn my balls. 
As I, it's a weird ritual. It's my own. Leave me alone. Um, I found out something interesting today. Bobby and I sh- uh, are, sh- we don't share the same therapist now, but I'm seeing a therapist that Bobby used to see. So we're like, we're like Escobros with therapy. Uh, I mean, I, okay. Why not? He's a good guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my joke was Rex. I mean, I got divorced. I don't know. Like. Four weeks after I fucking went to couples counseling. It was his him. fault. I'm not going to say that, but... Let's say the foot was put on the gas of the car that was already moving rapidly in one direction. I was <laughs> I was in the Snowdown Follies in this very building where we're at. Oh, yeah. And, and the... we made fun of that. Like, of course. On stage. Good for you. We were just like, dude, yeah. <laughs> I think I was... I was very pleased to, you know, go to your couple's counseling. I think my ex-wife is too. You know, it was that kind of like. That's fun. That's inside inside baseball. Inside baseball. I love it. Needling. Little needling. But my first therapy session. um, I had two when I was with my ex and it was kind of a Hail Mary therapy, which sounds like yours was as well. It was kind of a Hail Mary. Well, no, if you got divorced a month later, obviously. Um, I already fucked up. Bang teller. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, I mean, that was definitely probably, probably not a good one. <laughs> um, no, but I went, I went, you know, trying to be responsible. It was my first time. I didn't know what to do. It felt like a job interview. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Like I, you're there to talk. The therapist is asking you to talk, but he didn't really ask me. I just, you know, being DJ filibuster, I just talked and just I think never shut the fuck up. Never shut up. He literally looked at me and he said, I think we're good here. Yeah. And he sent me on our way. Oh. And so there you go. I think I'm going to do some couple stuff. Cause I want to, I'm now that I'm in it, I want to like yeah. figure out like stuff and things. Cause we're not perfect. Rex and I are great. We're super happy, but let's be happier. Be better. Be better. That's what I try to tell everybody. It's Just almost a fucking pearlism. We'll to get we'll get We're to that. Have to later. Um after that heavy duty conversation, Woo! we still haven't that solved was... guys, we still haven't solved racism or the government or uh personal care. Oddly enough, we didn't solve that in 20 minutes. I know you were hoping for it. Tough shit. Figure it out yourself. Uh We've got an amazing sponsor. They're hot. Their stock is rising. They just went. They just hit the Nasdaq. They just went public last week. We're going to clue you in. I suggest you pick up a few shares. I don't disagree. Um, these guys are groundbreaking. <laughs> 12 to 15 years ago, you never thought your emails or text messages would come back and haunt you. These ugly exchanges have come to light. Back then, there was nobody to wash your hood and robes. There was no one to extinguish your crosses. Say you're uncomfortable with Michael Sam. Maybe you're not comfortable with female referees in the Nashville Football League. Watch yourself right here, 17. Call the elite personal assistants at racesystems.com. Racesystems. We'll make sure those fat ass lips are sealed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we are Southwest Colorado's one podcast.
that pulls no punches. Yeah, we're not like those other dickheads. Yeah. I'll, I think there's one other <laughs> you, you podcast. You know who you are. <laughs> um, if you want to reach out to us, please do. God, guys, we're dying for some content and from input from all of our tens of friends. Um, reach out at 970-426-5344. Kill Whitey? 970-426-5344. Also, uh, leave a voicemail at that number or a text message. And if you don't feel comfortable with that, just drop us an email at whiskeyreal. That is whiskey with an E, real with two E's, <laughs> at gmail.com. Oh, my goodness. I know. Bobbeth ba- ba- Van Noys. I'm doing my best. May be on, um, he may be in the <laughs> upside down right now. That's all I'm saying. When you move from Dead Rabbit to Fernet and then cleanly move back into Dead Rabbit, it's pretty hype, dude. Okay, I'm, first I'm of all, of I have not moved cleanly <laughs> back into Dead Rabbit. Or into anything. <laughs> so here's the thing. Yes. I have not been drinking very much this month. Really? That's good for you. <laughs> so my intention was to do Sober October. That didn't really happen. <laughs> That's um, stupid. No, You're, I know. You have a podcast called The Whiskey Room. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> and so when we do this, I find an excuse to imbibe. Thank you. Yeah. I imbibe. I yeah. have a few drinks. I sip on some whiskey. Uh, and today, gonna... <laughs> I had like nine gin and sodas. <laughs> Are you going to do the thing where you're like your dad? It doesn't make me a bad person. I'm just fucking doing the best I can. Okay. Maybe that was just my dad. The best uh, I can is really shitty. <laughs> Speaking of, in the words of some guy, uh, my best is an idiot. Is an idiot. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, doing your best and it's shitty, have you seen Halloween Kills? No. Fuck. I'm watching it tonight. Tonight. I, I, dude, I just shot a load across the Damn, table. That was weird. Uh, that was awesome. Um, um, no, I'm watching it tonight when I get home. I am the world's biggest Halloween fan. Yeah, you're I love the I love the entire canon uh, of Michael Myers. For how murders. ridiculous it gets. Yes. It, it, there's a ridiculousness yeah. that it, it but with the new I always I always say like uh I always make fun of three named people like Anthony Michael Hall, uh uh fucking <laughs> David Thomas Green, um fucking uh, Dave Gordon Green. Gordon Green, whatever dude. Yeah. Uh, it, all those guys are the same guy. As far as I'm concerned, they all share bodies. Well, so Halloween Kills was written by Danny McBride. Danny McBride and David Gordon Green. David? Da- whatever. <laughs> David Gordon Green. <laughs> yeah, Danny McBride. You guys all know Danny McBride. Famous for, you know, Eastbound and Down. Yeah. Um, most famous for, he was also like in fucking the Seth Rogen fucking weed movie. I forget the name of it. Yeah, um, no, it anyway, awful. V- very by the way. funny. Awful. That's it. Wasn't awful. Very funny. Pineapple Express. Pineapple Express is was a giant fucking, piece of shit. If you've been a dirtbag weedhead, it's fucking funny. All so, right. so That's Halloween, Halloween kills. Um, Bobby hasn't seen it. I literally just saw it. I was hoping Bobby, since he stole it from the internet, would have seen it. <gasps> allegedly. I, okay, first of all, allegedly. I have a subscription to Peacock. <laughs> I don't know what that means. That's <laughs> what 
what does that mean? That's uh, where it's being broadcast. Oh, okay. That's Sorry. where it's streaming. Sorry. It's peacock.tv. Um, .org. I mean, you can watch the Dan Patrick show. You can. Uh, Pro Football Talk. I don't know why you would, but whatever. Um, but Hol- yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me tell you right now, Halloween Kills, and I heard it put a really good way. If you like the 2018 Halloween that McBride wrote with Green, and it's the same setup of guys. If you like that, you might be disappointed with this. <gasps> okay. And I'll say okay. this. The whole him walking around the shape, yeah. walking around just murking fools without any context and all that happens. They bring it back to the OG. Okay. Very satisfying. Um, that was good. They got a little corny, but they also touched on some tropes that have never been done in a horror movie. And I'm going to leave it for you to decide. This was obviously a plea for an X movie, so the ending was so unsatisfying. <sighs> However, well, oh. you may feel differently. They tried to get up their own ass with some very cerebral shit in okay. this, which was kind of cool. But the but the guy who played the shape, the way they made him look was very obviously was the same sort of continuity wise, the same as 2018. Um. um but burned up. Uh, bur- Dude, he's torched. It's awesome. He mercs like 47 firemen. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> some of the... <laughs> there was a... A trailer that showed that. Well, and beyond that, there, there was a um, online movement to have that removed from the movie. They were like, oh my God, like how can you show first a movie? First responders. Where fucking, exactly. Where Michael Myers fucking Shut kills up, first responders. Dude. Oh That's my bullshit. God, it's so crazy. God, why why did we sew up our own asses <sighs> about everything? It's funny. The biggest snowflakes seem to melt the fastest. I got, um, <laughs> fuck you guys, man. Seriously. Um, Halloween, definitely if you love, I, okay. If you're and I Rex was like, I'll go take you to see Halloween Kills. This is a a young lady, and she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. gorgeous. I love her so much. Gorgeous. Never seen Halloween. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know. It, I'm going to let that sink in for a second. Okay. She wanted to take me so she can watch it with me, and I told her if you watch this movie, there will be all the context will be lost. It'll be miserable <sighs> for you. Yeah. That that being said. Taken in and of itself, outside of the little nods to things, they had a Dr. Loomis sighting in this. They did <gasps> a great back and forth between the 70s and now. I think you'll really pre- – I think Bobby will actually like this a lot more than I did. There was a corniness factor to it that mm, – what I liked about it was they went full kill mode. They didn't try to do it for laughs. There wasn't any laughs no. like they tried to do in the last one. They really paid homage to the original – and I think you will dig it. I think you're going to come back next week and call me a fucking moron. There was something that left me wanting. And I, I, I got, it may take me a little while to figure that well, out. I'm, the I'm, music was all John Carpenter-esque. Yeah. They added some new wrinkles in it. It was dope. It was dope. I can tell you that my entire plan this evening, and we are recording weirdly early on a Friday. On a Friday. Um. Apparently, there's a physical performance art theater going on downstairs. Holy shit. What is happening? It's a bunch of adults Um, in black leotards that are very serious. They're very serious. (laughs) They do. (laughs) 
I'm I'm going home this evening and I'm gonna watch Halloween Kills. I have some DoorDash leftovers from Applebee's. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Did you get the riblets? Um sir. Yeah, those got killed <laughs> last night. Yeah. What I have left over is some pasta thing and, and some garnish. And some uh <laughs> chicken nuggets. Oh, nuggies. Or whatever. Nuggies yeah. are always selling. Um, it's going to be amazing. Uh, you will yeah. love it. I guarantee you, you will love it. I think you're going to find a lot more. I may have to watch it again. Like I said, there was a lot to like in this. If you're a fan of the franchise and a fan of horror movies, you will enjoy this. The kills are satisfying. Some aren't, but they did a great job. He His kill count is up in the fucking tr- like triple dozens, yeah. which is not something he usually does. But um, they they paid a little bit of homage to the past. They did the mixing of time frames well. There was a corniness of it though that ugh, really there's something cool. Me, and I obviously I haven't seen this movie, but like there's something really cool they did with the concept of mob justice, and that plays a huge role to the fact that you ask yourself who are the real. See, this is why I thought it was a little baiting. It was a little bit, um, I don't want to say insulting, um, but it was very leading of who are the real monsters? Yeah, yeah. You know, that whole, I mean, which is fine. And that's a great question to ask. But Anthony Michael Hall plays like the, the, the mob leader, which is, for those of you who don't know, I mentioned David Gordon Green and fucking Danny Dick, Dickhead. Tyler McCarran and all the three letter, all the three word people. Anthony Michael Hall, famously of weird science, um, plays like the mob leader. He actually plays, I, this won't ruin it for you. No. He plays the young boy that in the beginning Jamie Lee Curtis saves. Tommy. Tommy. He plays Tommy. Whoa. They bring back all the OG actors. Was it Tommy? I think yeah. it was Tommy. Yeah, it was Tommy. Yeah. They bring back all the original actors, like the nurse that got the window smashed when he escaped the asylum. So that's funny because that was okay. So we have to be really clear. You're going to nerd out. We're going to have the continuity situation. They did a great job with continuity, by the way. So the last Halloween movie was a direct sequel to the original. Right. And this is a direct. Uh, fucking yeah. whatever a third one's called. So <laughs> in no way was Michael Myers related to Laurie Strode. Right. Because the second movie of the series kind of disastrously associated him as her other that, that sister. Was the, that was the canon. Yeah, that was canon. They've rewrote that completely fucking uh, what, what do you call it? Like retro fucking actively just said no. Well, no. and they you will enjoy this fact. Like I said, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I liked it. I would like to watch it again. There was a corniness factor that made me dislike the movie a little bit. But as far as explaining the tropes and going further down the rabbit hole of who Laurie Stroud is and all that shit. Sure. Um, they, they give it – they actually almost explain why he goes back to the house without explaining it. Oh, Okay. So it's kind of cool. No. That's really cool. But he goes, I will tell you, there's one scene. Speaking of mobs, I'm not going to ruin it for you by saying this. Okay. The mob catches up with him. Yeah, yeah. They surround him. Yeah. They fuck my dude up. I'm sure. Fuck him up. And then he wakes up. Yeah. And then there's a sequence of events that happens. (laughs) 
where motherfuckers oh, wish dude. they never lived, dude. That's and awesome. it's That's that awesome. that in and of itself for me gave me the fucking worm fuzzies. Yeah. But the ending I didn't like, and there was a corniness, and I'd like to discuss that further with you next week. So next week we will one hundred percent. Because you're more into the canon than I am. I loved it just as a general yeah, lover I mean, of all things horror. Michael Myers <clears throat> is the scariest character in movie history. I'm sorry. Mm. Like, I don't think it's even close. Um, Rob Zombie did his best to fucking destroy that. To kill the, yeah. You know, he killed the mystique of the boogeyman. Have we talked about he's, he's a the piece shape. of shit? He's the shape. He's the shape. He's not the boogeyman. He's not the shadow. He's, he's the, the shape. shape. And that's important. Yeah. Um, and that little boy at the beginning of the very the first, first Halloween. Through the mask. The original Mike, unbelievable walks in for no fucking reason and, whatsoever and we still don't know why and just fucking and we annihilates still, his sister and we still don't know why um, no. which is one of the most beautiful kind of leave it to your own and devices. Rob Zombie tried to just like Explain. oh well he was abused <laughs> she was kind of a bitch <laughs> um, <laughs> <She> was, <laughs> <laughs> okay I'm gonna give horrible. a I'm gonna give a Durango shout horrible. out we have two theaters in this town we have the Allen Nine, which is the big fancy theater out just outside of downtown, which I love. I absolutely love. Thank you for putting good seats. And I just love the movie experience there. When I'm not watching it with you assholes who still think having your phone on is okay. Then there's a secondary theater, which is in walking distance of a downtown. It's called the Gaslight. And it's a beautiful old theater. It is. It's it's my preference of watching something so I don't have to go all the way out of town. And it's intimate. It's usually less traffic. You can kind of get a better experience out of stuff. Bobby and I have watched Marvel movies there. It's been great. Um, they have kind of bootleg seats, but they still work. And it's fine. You sneak fucking booze in there. It's great. So <laughs> there's a new movie we talked about last week called Lamb. I'm very excited to see this movie. As a horror geek and a huge fan of the studio A24, who does some really avant-garde, kind of out-of-the-box theater, speaking of Halloween and movies, um, they were the only theater in town showing this movie. And it's up against the James Bond movie. So there's only two theaters in this fucking theater. So few months ago, I went to go watch, I forget what it was, but it was very imperative that I had sound. Rex was with me. She looks over to me and she goes, this is fucked up. And I, and I, it, cause I was like distracted and I looked for a second and listened for a second. I was like, it sounded like they were playing the movie with computer speakers. It was fucked. It was all treble, yeah. no bass. Yeah. It didn't feel good. So we dipped and got a refund. Then we went back a month later. And we said, hey, we want to see this movie. Is it in that theater? And the guy, very much of the credit of the staff of this place was very honest and said, yeah, we haven't fixed the sound. And I was like, okay, cool. Thank you for letting me know. Yeah. Miss that. Okay. I call the theater playing the one movie that I'm able, that I want to watch out of all these fucking movies. I call the theater just to check which theater it's in. So I go, firstly... Do you still have that sound problem with the theater on the right? And he goes, we haven't been able to get the equipment. Whatever. No problem, yeah. man. I know you're not in control of what I'm about yeah, yeah. to say. And then I said, um, I'm really interested in watching Lamb. Which theater is it in? And he goes, it's in that theater. And he goes, the other theater has James Bond. And I went, gotcha. 
I, yeah. I, I totally understand. I know what's going to bring you guys more money is having that. So we've got a downtown theater that I can walk to that's gorgeous and I love it. And I want to give them all my money. And every movie that I want to watch is in a movie theater with the worst sound I've ever. This is like listening to fucking like Dark Side of the Moon in your cousin's 77 Civic. You don't really get it. I feel bad for them because I want to give them the my la- money. The last time I was there, I saw Black Widow with Was Tig. it the theater on the right? Yes. What and happened? It was dog, dog shit. shit. Dog shit. The, the sound was horrible. I walked out. I got my money back. I, 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 I won't just, do it. I was like, come on, man. Like, what are we doing? What I are we doing? I won't do it. I have a, <laughs> I could watch that shit at home with better sound, with like straight surround up. sound. I'm not being bugger, a dick. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not being a dick. And they can't afford. I'm just to telling get it you, fixed. man, my product's better. That's what's up, bro. <laughs> you want to come a little, have a little snort of my product? Um, but anyway, I was very disappointed. I want to see this movie so bad. It's getting such big critical fucking acclaim. It's about to drop online on streaming. Yeah. So does that mean uh, somebody may or may not have I don't it know. soon? It's possible okay. someone might put let's, that on. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only thing I will say to finish media yeah. as far as movies and TV, yeah. I've been rewatching Shit's Creek. And dude, it is Did you see the shirt? Fuck me. I am rocking a Roses Apothecary shirt. It's a that fucking I am show, repping, dude. That it's show so is fucking beautiful. So fucking good. God, man. it makes me cry every time. Yeah, every Catherine time. O'Hara makes me laugh harder. Than she's so stupid, and I love her. She's like in Madeline Kahn territory of just being. I'm gonna say phenomenal comedic performer. I'm gonna say better only because body of work. She has a, she has 20 years that, more than Madeline. Kahn. That's fair, man. But Madeline Kahn was obviously just a goddamn the grand lum- damn luminary. Grand Dame. Of fucking comedic performances. But I think at this um, point, Catherine O'Hara over C- SCTV <sighs> on has Holy 50 shit, years of work man. to pull from. And she's as good as she ever was. But, um, I we'll, talk, we'll talk music. We'll talk music. Um, I'm going to go first because the second one will be a little lengthy. Yeah, it's going to um, We introduced this gentleman a while ago, and I love it. When the whiskey reel gets a hold of an artist that then gets so much acclaim. Um, this gentleman is named Wiki. He is a rapper. He's out of New York. I know. Shocker, Aaron, um, bringing this to the <laughs> program. Um, we did a song called Eggs, which we yeah. couldn't get enough of Ugh. at the time, and nobody knew who this gentleman was. He just released this album called Half God that, you know, needle drop Anthony Fantano's like fucking foaming over. He did a song on this album with Earl the Sweatshirt, which for you fans Ugh. of Odd Future, Earl dropped off the scene. He only does features with people he, he really respects. Yeah. He did a great feature with Wiki um, on this album. Um, this was his first release off this. This is um, old school hip hop done in a brand new way. It feels very familiar and yet new. This isn't. This isn't fucking Young Thug. This isn't Drake. This isn't Yay. Um, this feels like old school fucking brownstone hip hop from back east. It feels very cozy. He's got a great voice. He's got this weird twang in his fucking timbre of his voice. This kid, Wiki, has got like maybe 15 teeth, and I love him so much. 
But check out Wiki Half God. I'm telling you, it's a lot of legato, legato beat. I'm sorry, I said legato. It's it's got a lot of legato, like strings and sections. This isn't a boom bap album. This is more of a kind of um, you know smoke a blunt, stare at the sun type of fucking you know being your shit. But Wiki, this is called Roofs. My roof is my favorite, my only kind of entertainment. My own private vacation, hyper when the light graced him. From the sun when he waited with the right patience. I'm writing and I'm pacing, looking at the cityscape. Is it a simulation? In the middle of the city in isolation. Some see it solely for the taking. See the only course to take to make it better for him going and wasted. Didn't play GTA up the block and in the park while I was playing. Wiki, man. Um, he's got a really interesting, reminds me a lot of Wu. Um, yeah. Reminds me a lot of Raekwon. Um, his flow and his delivery. He's got a great voice. He's just an interesting character, man. And he literally sounds like Raekwon. He's got a lot of Ray, a lot of ghost face yeah. on his shit. Yeah. Um, obviously, we were all raised on that, so that's all an influence. But that track that you just heard, it almost feels like you're ready for the beat to drop. That's the album. This is a flow through. This is a, a this is a journey sort of album. This isn't something to rock out with your friends or get or get fucking turned. This is more like I said, put it on, smoke a blunt, enjoy the day, play with your dog type shit. Like this isn't uh, meant for that. I, I got to give big ups. Not a lot of people are doing that these days, so I got to big up. Well, it kind of leads us into what we're going to talk about with. Maybe the most talked about personality on the history of the Wukongan whiskey reel is uh, Aesop Rock. Never heard of him. Um, he dropped a track um, very, like, like Tuesday? Yeah, it was like two days ago. Something like that. It was like two, two days ago. Um, but anyways, he's worked with this gentleman before named Blockhead, who is a... Uh, 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 He's a producer slash. He's very prolific producer yeah. and remixer. Yeah, um, he's yeah. done a lot of cool remixes. Too. Um, this is an in- interesting song because it's not my. This is not my favorite Aesop Rock track. No, it's not. I, um, I'm not saying I hate it. I'm just saying this is not what I wanted to get. Right. I guess in a way. Right. Um, it's not bad. No, because Aesop Rock doesn't do bad necessarily, but like, it's not exactly what I wanted. It's not what you expected. I'm bringing something to the whiskey reel that I'm not gonna suck dick over. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I think like, that's more important than anything. So yeah, there's an Aesop Rock song on this program that we don't effusively go down on him. Just, just blow him. Just blow him hard, dude. <laughs> He's just double dick. Coming on my face, but, you know, <laughs> Blue Oyster Club behind the dumpster. I but I thought it would, I thought it was kind of important to do something that maybe, you know, that the, it was less effusive and it's not bad. I mean, the lyrics are great. I, I like, how about we do this? Cause I got some, cause listen, we all knew when this song dropped. I was, I was hoping Bobby caught this before the podcast. I was going to do the song, but I, th- I want to give Wiki some love for that. I'm glad he did it, but let's play a little bit of it, then I'd like to discuss my thoughts on it a little bit. 
Well, let's do that. Just like what's right up? now. Love note to the whole fuck show. Postmarked from a lighthouse in a blunt smoke. Dear motherfuckers, I'm teetering if you must know. Wolf at the door like a bug to the fructose. Niece on the phone saying Ian, you should visit more. We could build forts, what a pig's court, civil war. Miss you, miss you more. See you on the far side. Scuffed shoes, couple new scars in the archive. I'm not here to pull scarves out. Here to pick tumblers underwater with his arms bound. From in chains to the heart of where art thou? I'm out there down the throat. Okay, um, let's talk about that track. <sighs> Number one, bars. Yeah. Bars, my guy. Um, don't ever sleep. You know, when he said my eyes glowing different, when he said my eyes are glowing different from unknown shades from an ink pen. Yeah. Like saying that you don't know what my eyes look like, you don't know what my anger looks like. Like he's saying shit like I'm not running, I'm playing chicken. Like he makes these correlations of no life, no lifeguard, sink or swim. He makes these like he does these beautiful fucking acrobatic verbal things. However, the beat. Where is the beat? You ask yourself, sir. It's very ambient. There's no beat. There's That's no a beat. point. It's just all it's all it's all sample ambient flow. Now granted, the beat has a beginning and an end, so you know where the four is. Yeah. So you know where to rap, right? Where's the drums? Where's the bass? Where's the pop? You yeah. don't know where it is. It's this weird. Um, it's just a that has no payoff. Except, except. Okay. What's interesting in this track is this. This track is three. Let's call it three twenty. Yeah, three twenty so. long. The first two minutes of it is Aesop doing Aesop, flowing. He's. Man, listen, there's a reason why people, man, this should be a college course, breaking down Aesop lyrics, literally, and I'm not even kidding. If there should be a creative writing course, I may teach it, come and do a college near you, a creative writing course of Aesop. Yeah. There are things that he does with similes, with rhyming, with allegory, with metaphor that is nothing short of brilliance. Literally, it's unbelievable. However, he does two minutes of that. And then if you guys have the stomach for it, please have the stomach for it. Listen to the last minute and about 20 of this song. Because what happens is he stops rapping and then the song comes in. Yeah. And it's all just instrumental. So what I was talking to Bobby outside is this. That was obviously a decision of production. They said, we're going to do this and then we're going to do this. And my thought, especially being in the restaurant world, is did we just get a deconstructed song <laughs> where I'm supposed to put it together in my head? Because right. if you put that last part with when he was rapping, it would be a slapper. But they didn't. And I don't know if this is just frustration because they wrote this in the pandemic and um, they had you know their own struggles and shit. But like... Did we just hear our first deconstructed song that you're supposed to assemble in your own time? Yeah. Because it, it felt like it. Mm -hmm. They clearly had a fucking mood. He had a fucking, he had a mood he was going for, which is no mood because it's fucking Aesop, with a sample and some legato fucking sounds. And then it went into the boom bap at the last minute and a half with no rapping. Right. So it almost felt like we got the fucking tortilla, we got the meat. We got the cheese, we got the salsa, we got the fucking, you know what I mean? And nah. we're putting it together ourselves a little well, bit. Well, and he's worked with Block before, like, like 
they put out arguably some his best song ever bangers arguably none shall pass arguably from a written standpoint might be his best song I've i don't seen it, think it is i've seen it live i don't think it twice is. but it's arguably, fucking incredible he's dude. a bad man it breaks your brain yeah he and if you pick apart those verses and no i don't think it's his best song either but like it's it's, his it's most arguably accessible. one of his it's arguably one of his best written songs yeah and the track is a hitter so we know and and by the it's, way blockhead and aesop are coming out with an album called garbology um so this is the first single off garbology which i'm very interested in hearing now so Contextually, we might be hearing something that we aren't really supposed to hear. It We're feels supposed like to it. hear it on the out. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, always, I'm always going to defer to the brilliance of Ian. Amen. He calls himself Ian in the song, by the way. I don't yeah, know, I know if you noticed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really fucking he had cool, some. Man. He had some really classic fucking Aesop. Classic Take it Aesop. line by line, dude. He... He is a master of the written word. He, I put him on par with fucking Beckett and Shakespeare, and I'm Shakespeare. not even being hyperbolic. I'm not even. I literally think he has written better things than those gentlemen. Aesop Rock is the Shakespeare of hip-hop. Well, what did it's I call not him? even close, man. What did I call him? Outside. Yeah. If he wrote one fucking song and it was None Shall Pass and never wrote another yeah. song, he'd be called the Salinger of fucking hip-hop. Uh, Salinger. And you said he probably still should be. And then I thought about how fucking much of an enigma he is. Yeah. That's the J.D. Salinger of hip-hop. It, he's phenomenal. Do you want to go nerd on nerd fucking crime right now? Dude. He's When you call Aesop the J.D. Salinger of hip-hop, you've officially... <laughs> Just canceled yourself. <laughs> You've torn a hole in the universe. <laughs> Dude, we love the man. I'm I can't wait. Trust me, when Garbology comes out, we may do a separate handsome boy fucking. I'm podcast sure we're gonna see just the reality of it. To because I'm gonna see what jazz hands is in context yeah. of the album. And it may make more sense because he does that. If you take songs off Impossible Kid um out of context of the album. It doesn't feel right. Yeah. You know, or Skeleton. When you when you take songs out of context, they don't feel right with for Aesop. He's he's done these songs that these tracks that are like verbal masturbation in a way. Um like, You think so, but it really But they're not. Like yeah. Get in the Car on Impossible Kid <sighs> is one of those tracks there you that go. it's just like he's paying tribute to someone and so he decides I'm not gonna produce this track at all. I'm just gonna spit and say like this is how I feel right now. It feels like spoken. I'm word, grieving, but yeah, I'm grieving. And to call it spoken word or some sort of fucked off it term, is, man. It, it, I, it, I think it, it 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 takes the power out of what it is. He's better than that. He's better um, than everyone. He's better than everyone. I know he's better than me. You got a pearl? Yeah, I got a pearl, brother. You want to clutch it? Bring Let's it. Let's clutch it. Clutch it. Um, <laughs> Let's clutch it. Um, I know. We're Bobby hates that. when we're I not do that. doing that. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about something that I alluded to opening, and that's therapy. Therapy is a good thing. Therapy is a really good thing for most of us. Not all of us are completely concise, beautiful, centered beings like myself. Um, some people <laughs> need help, um, and it's a good thing to do it. Um, you should do it. I think everybody should experience it. I'm going to continue to do it. Um, 
But I will say for some people, mileage may vary. But therapy may not be your jam. And that might be because the person that you're seeing isn't your jam. Therapy is like finding a fucking good relationship in any business or any personal setting. You got to find somebody that gets you and that understands you and somebody you feel comfortable with. And you'll know when you see them and meet them. But please, 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 if you've tried therapy and it hasn't worked, it might not be, it might not be you. It might be them for the first time in our lives. Try it again and try it again. Yeah. Ultimately, maybe it doesn't work for you. But they're people too with their own idiosyncrasies and their own picadillos and their own judgment. And Well, technically they shouldn't have any, but we're humans. You're, it's a human talking to a human. It might not be a good fit. But I know, having been through one whole therapy session, exactly what I'm talking about. Just find the right person for you. And I, I, I encourage you to explore it at least. If you've been thinking about doing it, do it, especially post-pandemic. Um, I think that's why I did it. I think I need to reset and reground. Therapy's a good thing, but the mileage may vary. Yeah, 100%, man. Uh, I guess my pearl is really, really simple. Um, keep an open mind. You're going to have people in your life that come in out and you're going to realize that sometimes you are wrong initially. And some people, I'm not saying they should be your girlfriend. I'm not saying they should be like, a you know, your most important person. But give people a second chance. Keep an open mind. They can be a part of your life that actually is meaningful and important. They don't have to be the most meaningful and important person in your life. They should be meaningful and important. And I'm learning that. I'm learning mm. that slowly but surely. And I don't have to be a, anybody's girlfriend. I don't have to be anybody's most important person. But I can be important. Mm. And I can be a part of their lives. And they can be a part of my life. And... It's meaningful. It me so, sounds like you're treading um, dangerously into forgiveness and acceptance. I mean, the and funny thing, Aaron, when you bring that up, it's the important part of that for me personally is being able to forgive myself because I, I, I've had mm. situations in, in my life where I've been almost unforgivable and shitty, mean. Mm. Shitty. <laughs> Did I mention shitty? <laughs> Did I mention shitty? Um, <laughs> we all have, you know. But you know, like, like I'm, I'm just. I, I've had a, a weird two weeks where I've been involved in a former partner's life, where she's not even involved. She's not even around. She was right. in three thousand miles away do you want to talk about why like oh, you were basically dog sitting and house sitting for somebody i was dog favor. sitting yeah yeah for the most part i was yeah. dog sitting yeah and it just i don't know man something like hit me i was like i was like i i don't need this woman to be the most important person in my life going forward right but she goddamn sure she can she can be an an important person in my life. She's not important. the just Anne, but she is she is important in my life. Yeah, 
That's she's not going to be my acknowledgement. She's not going to be my girlfriend. I'm not, I'm not that enlightened. Right. You know, she's not, not going to be my wife. She's not going to be my girlfriend. She's a someone that in my life that actually means something very dear. Yeah. And I look in that little fucking puppy's eyes and I realize like this is this was an important part of my life. That was a stage in my life that I needed and I don't want to like let it go. I don't want to cut loose. That's fair. You know. Doesn't mean we have to be together and fuck each other over a hundred times sure. like we've done in the past. A hundred times. But it just means that she should be a part of my life. That puppy should be a part of my life. Dude, you look into that puppy's eyes, you know? That's a hard thing to say. And then that puppy <laughs> looks into your eyes and he says, wash your legs, cracker. 